When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. I'm Antonia Blythe, Senior Awards Editor. My guest this week is Ralph Macchio. After breaking out in Francis Ford Coppola's film, The Outsiders, in 1983, the following year, Macchio shot to fame as Daniel LaRusso in The Karate Kid, followed by two sequel films. Fast forward to 2018, and Macchio reprised the role of LaRusso in the series Cobra Kai, a show he also executive produces. And now, fans of the Netflix series are anxiously awaiting the sixth and final season. Michio also published his memoir, Waxing On, in October of last year. Welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you. To have you here. Um, I was talking with our production editor, Dave Morgan, at dinner the other night, and he, I told him I was meeting you. And he told me a story about way back when he was stuck in traffic on a freeway in LA and he ended up next to you and you guys started chatting through the car window. <laughs> and I thought that is such a classic LA story. It is a classic LA. Yes. These tra- two things that happen, uh, traffic and um, having no one else to talk to. Well, I was going to say, and also seeing people you watch on TV. Yeah. Movies. Yeah. <laughs> on the freeway. Um, so I, I assume you get a lot of fan interaction and that that has gotten really intense in the past few years since Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's like one of the typical things that fans will say to you out in the wild? Well, it's, um, you know, it's interesting because it's never kind of gone away. It just gets a different ebbs and flows and, and there's, there's drier spells. But um, now... You know, I got I got lucky enough to get connected with some movies that have had some pretty good catchphrases. So, um, so I hear those whether I'm driving and see someone in traffic or I'm putting the garbage out at the end of the the driveway. You know, it'll be anywhere from the Stagold Pony Boys to the I shot the clerk from my cousin Vinny to you know wax on wax off or sweep the leg. Or get him a body bag. Who knew that would be like something? And so uh, it, they're all terms of endearment at this point in my life. You know, they um, there there are certain days where to be just like, you know, because everyone thinks they've come up with it for the first time, and I haven't heard it before. Um, so it's kind of <laughs> wonderful at, at, at my stage of life to sort of see see these things resonate. Um, for decades on end, that means they connected in some way. 
Absolutely. I mean, the success of Cobra Kai just shows that there is something really, really warm and heartfelt uh, in this story. And I know we talked about this uh, when Cobra Kai first came out and it was on YouTube Red at the time before Netflix. Um, and it just was this huge fan phenomenon. What do you think it is? Like, what's what's the kernel at the heart of the story that that gets people well, I think um, um, besides the fact that they're beloved characters that many people grew up with, but the cool thing is we have, you know, eight-year-old kids, 10-year-old kids that this is their favorite show and then they're telling their parents um, and their parents are like, what, what are you talking about? That was like the movie we, our first date, you know? And so it's kind of cool to have, you know, uh, three and four generations on the couch watching the, the same thing. I think, you know, as far as the Karate Kid universe goes, that, that movie um worked on a human level you know it didn't really offend anyone unless you were a bully i guess or a you know a psychotic uh mean sensei uh but for the most part it was a wish fulfillment overcoming the obstacles prevailing in the end and in the case of cobra kai um all the characters which we get to dive into the gray areas of these characters where the karate kid was clearly more black and white, you know, good over evil, Daniel good, Johnny bad, Miyagi good, Kreese bad. Cobra Kai blurs those lines. And and so whether you're Johnny Lawrence or Daniel LaRusso or Samantha LaRusso or Hawk or Miguel or Robbie, you go down the, the list of all these characters and they they all for the most part have good intentions and are trying to, you know, get off the ground after they land and skin their palms and, and scrape their knees and dust off and try to do right. It's just sometimes they can't get out of their own way and uh, how they butt heads and push each other's buttons is all part of the entertainment value. So I think we see pieces of ourselves in the in these, you know, well fleshed out characters, yet in a world that feels like just awesome comfort food because it's a piece of our nostalgic past. And mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we struck a chord um, uh, it's amazing. It's lightning in a bottle twice with when you look at the Karate Kid films and uh, now the Cobra Kai series. It's uh, it's quite unique, I think. It really is, as you say, like this perfect combination of of nostalgia and and great storytelling. I love that Cobra Kai, like you say, moves away from the sort of black and white, good evil um, model, mm -hmm. uh, and we see all the villains kind of develop heart and right. see it's a reason for their behavior and it's just so human and that's the kind of storytelling we need mm -hmm. we need less divisive stories yes um and more human stories um and i know that fans are absolutely devastated because season six is going to be the last and the creators designed it that way they said they wanted that to be the case how do you feel about saying goodbye to Daniel LaRusso. And is it really goodbye? I don't I, uh, well, listen, for me, I've walked in the shoes of Daniel LaRusso since uh, 1983. So <laughs> they're pretty comfortable shoes. I uh, never cease to be amazed of the longevity and the, the, um, the relevance of that character and in, in that world. So I look at it like going into season six, it feels right to me that it's time to bring kind of Cobra Kai proper in for a landing. 
And when I say Cobra Kai proper, that's that section of this universe. It's sort of, well, they talk about the Marvel and the MCU, right? This is yeah. sort of the Karate Kid cinematic universe. Is it, is it really over? Is there a, you know, is, are there prequel ideas? Are there concepts for spinning off some of the younger cast characters or some of the OG characters that would make sense in a story? Look what Better Call Saul did out of Breaking mm-hmm. Bad, two totally different you know, feels and yet both successful. And um, so I, um, I thought decades ago, I would never throw the gi back on and, and be uh, Daniel LaRusso. And now it's, it's richer and deeper than ever. And I can't imagine um, this being the end of that. And if it is, then it's time, you know, but I think, I think conceptually what Cobra Kai is, um, the amount of OG characters that have been brought back and every actor who's come back from the original franchise has literally knocked it out of the park. I mean, it's really the actors, everyone comes in with such a pride that they were part of that, you know, part of that legacy. And and even the kids in our show really don't take it for granted. And I'm really proud of them for not being completely that, un, that entitled generation. They feel like they're walking on hallowed ground and they and they they do a great job of of carrying the torch forward so um but but conceptually the rivalries who's gonna who's gonna prevail how how deep in the valley can you possibly go and still keep that rivalry going in a fresh original way and i think it's smart so many shows are given the axe and you look at netflix i mean how many shows on netflix go to six seasons now mind you we did have a came in late Netflix. Oh, sorry. Here you go. Hit the microphone with your hand. Um, you know, uh, Netflix is often, you know, cut shows off before six seasons for whatever the reason. Um, it's usually the, they usually, you don't want to overstay your welcome. So I think this is a good, a good point, but I think we will see more characters, uh, and other content, whether, LaRusso comes in and out of any of those. We'll, you know, we'll talk uh, next time on that. <laughs> okay, I can, I can see that smile. And uh, yeah, that's about all the info I'm going to get out of you. Yeah, it? I don't, I, I do not have, I can't lift up the, the contract and hold it in front of you that I'm starting something in two years. Uh, but, you know, it, I would have never thought we'd be having this conversation today on this character. So, um mm you know, 10 years ago, would have never, would have never. So it's pretty amazing. So I know there's a new Karate Kid film planned. Um, What do you know about that? Is there any kind of contact going on with you on that score? I don't, I do know. I mean, I know it's, it's on the slate. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the slate doesn't always mean it's going to be in the theaters. So I don't know at what level that is and what, exact story is being um, pursued. For me right now, it's about finishing up uh, Cobra Kai and making it the best last season ever. And But, you know, I haven't taken my phone off the hook. If there's anything that makes makes sense right now, I'm locked up with the, the, the Netflix and Sony contract for finishing out um, season six. 
I just, I can't imagine that you will not be a part of that film because that would be bizarre. Um, yeah, I listen, I've been hearing that, but um, I, I'm just never, I, I, like I said before, I know it sounds like I'm in a deposition, but I've, I've never, I, I mean that in the best way possible. I do. I do because I appreciate the questions. I just don't have uh, hard, uh, truthful, factual answers, but I'm never... Um, after what's happened these last couple of years, I just, uh, I can't even predict, um, what, what the future of that would be, but, um, to be closed minded about any of it would be a disservice to, to the character. So let's see where, where, let's see where that lands. Yeah. I mean, life is strange. You just never know, never know what's going to happen. Um, so of course, you know, Crease escaped prison and we can only hope that the the final season is kind of a denouement with him and 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 you guys. And I just think that that, that feels so right. Are you guys shooting yet? What's no, going? no, not yet. Soon, uh, we hope, you know, looming writer's strike uh hanging yeah. i don't know when this is dropping but uh so you know that's um but it's uh you know on it's it's all scheduled and discussed so we're waiting so we haven't started shooting i haven't read page one of any scripts from season six i have a you know a broad stroke um sort of arc outline but haven't seen uh, where it's going but you know listen you've seen you've watched five seasons of this show they always surprise you but yet you feel that that's where it should be so i think that there'll be more of the same um but always that left hand turn when you think you might be going right or you knew you wanted to get to this point but you didn't quite get there the way you expected and that's what the guys uh the creators of the show do so well i feel like um there's going to be a big face-off fight at the end it has to be you two um that's just that's the fan favorite theory and that Chris is gonna get his comeuppance but I'm sure you know like in classic Cobra Kai style we will find sympathy for Chris. Mm -hmm. well we we have I think to date I think they've mm -hmm. you know with that character I would say less so with with Terry Silver yeah. Um, because he was so diabolical bond villain and that <laughs> yeah. was, that was a big part of last season and yeah. uh, really, a really nice season for Daniel LaRusso. You get to see him sort of be the crazy person and everyone, you know, and him sort of wanting to give it all up and, and then having to, uh, crawl back and have everyone come behind him and lift him up to the sort of that sort of heroic proportions of what he began in the original Karate Kid film where you're rooting for, for this guy to take down, you know, the villain and the crane, but with, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> the crane kick. The crane kick. Yes. The crane kick comes back and it, I didn't even know it actually till I read that script. I'm like, well, I knew it. I knew I'd be there again at some point. Um, How was it doing that? Actually? It's uh, it took a little bit more work to get off the ground that quickly. I, you're not as necessarily pliable as you are uh, 38 years ago, you know, but uh I was determined and I was no stunt person was going to do it. So we got, we got it up there. We got it up it. there. Yeah. yeah. It was, but, but to your point, John Kreese has had in uh season, I think two and three, you got to see, you know, this kind of lonely guy that was doing what, you know, 
Mornikov always describes that character as, as misunderstood. Um, <laughs> but he, um, you got to see a guy down and out and trying to, you know, do right, uh, um, but in the wrong way, you know. So hmm. there's uh, almost everyone is redeemable to a point. Yeah. Cobra Kai is a redemption story. Yes, 100%. I love that about it. Um, So you can't, if you haven't started shooting yet and things are up in the air, you don't know even a vague release date for six at the moment? Uh, No, I don't. I I don't know the release date. I mean, Mm. they, Netflix was, you know, consistent with the first uh, season three and four coming out right around Christmas, it was like Christmas and Cobra Kai and usually a pandemic surge, which helped us. <laughs> Everybody was home. Yeah. Uh, we had the biggest numbers. Uh, it was uh, fantastic. Last year, they released season five uh, September 9th because we were done a little earlier and then, uh, you know, something. So they're as unpredictable as our storylines. Uh, How's that? Very well put. Very well put. <laughs> okay. So are you ready for 20 random questions? Go ahead. Okay. Well, the first one's um, work-related. The favorite thing about your current project? Appealing to multiple generations. Mm, I mean, if, it, yeah, that would be the first thing that comes to mind. The, the fact that I could have an eight-year-old kid and a 60-year-old or a 68-year-old grandmother and a 45-year-old mom and a 50-year-old dad all loving the same show. That's yeah. really pretty unique. It is. I can't think of any show that that comprises that in quite the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the moment you realized you wanted to be an actor? Do you remember? Long time ago, because yeah, I you know it's, which is it's a combination. Character. It's a combination. I think when I was a uh, real young kid, I used to watch. Uh, what was I, I wrote a book called Waxing On the Karate Kid in yeah, Me. Not when I was a real young kid, I, I recently did. Yeah, that and, was October last year, right? Yes, yes, yeah. and it really did well. In this, and I said, I always wanted to be Gene Kelly as a kid because I used to watch the 430 movie, the Channel 11 or the million dollar movie in New York, and it was always the musicals. And I was just, uh, I just was enamored with, with how sort of charismatic and you know cool and masculine yet yet completely graceful he was so i would run to watch those movies a little bit older it was it was probably de niro breaking out you know and this is i'm not the first person to say this in the 70s you know taxi driver and um raging bull and all those those um um the godfather part two and then i got to work with him on on broadway and 1986 which was just beyond um so those are the two things that made you know um when little kids seeing those big lavish musicals and then uh, some of those great films of the 70s oh god and you know i i just just personally selfishly um love the story of the audition process for the outsiders there mm-hmm. was a, yeah like, i guess like about five years ago a big article came out just talking about was it in Vanity Fair? I forget. Um, there was one in Vanity Fair, but that was more than five years ago. That was a great oh. article. Um, oh, um, but maybe they redid it. Really? No, no, it was more than five years ago. It's just like my memory in the pandemic, and I yeah, know, right. Lost some years. Um, but that article just really broke down the the whole process of casting the outsiders and 
what an iconic experience mm. and to have been part of that i can't imagine that's like. that's my uh you know the outsiders for me johnny cade that character reading that book when i was 12 years old uh francis ford coppola se hinton you know that's a it's like it's like your first kiss your first girlfriend you never forget that amazing experience and you're you know, it's it's all and everything I, I wanted. I wanted that part. I didn't want any of the other guys. I just wanted to be Johnny. I just felt when I read that book in English class, I just felt I I connected to him, even though our lives were so different. But he sort of the description of that character was very much how I looked and um, and the sort of insecurity. I was always the youngest and the smallest in class. And I wasn't picked last in gym, but I was definitely not picked first. So I sort of understood at that, that 11, 12-year-old age what it felt like to to be part of a, a group, you know, and, and, and feel like I belonged when I felt a bit like an outsider myself. And um, that one is a, a performance I'm really proud of in a very early part of my yeah. career. It's incredible. I just can never get over the fact that Essie Hinton, who wrote the book, was, was 17 when she yeah. wrote it. Yeah, in English. She wrote it in school. It's extraordinary. Um, okay, what or who was an early childhood inspiration? Um, my dad, uh, you know, even though we're, we're quite different, but he's such a uh, – he's still, he's still with us um, – in his 80s now, but he was a self-made uh, man who worked uh, really hard and fought the system and provided for the family. And I was able to recognize that at a young age. Um, you know, certainly some baseball players and <laughs> football play, you know, when, you know, uh, you, you look up, you go to, you know, I see Tom Seaver pitch back in for the New York Mets back in the, you know, the heyday. I mean, that was a, a role model just because he was awesome and he could do that, you know. But as, uh, on a human level, probably, I would say, uh, uh, I would say my dad. I love that answer. That's sweet. Um, what were the posters on your bedroom wall? <laughs> uh, that's a great one. Well, I alluded to a few of them. Um <laughs> Um, because yeah. I even, that was part of the setup in my first chapter of the, of the book that I wrote. Yeah. I mean, I had... I, I would have Gene Kelly from like Singing in the Rain. I would have a poster of Raging Bull. I'd have mm. pictures from The Godfather, like black and white stills. And I'd have uh, pictures of Tom Seaver or a New York Islanders hockey player or Joe Namath from the Jets. I was very New York. I was just, you know, <laughs> it was, I, I was a fastball down the middle. Let's put it this way, you know, but I had you, you walk in that room and you'll say, oh, he likes baseball, hockey, basketball, movies. And uh, and De Niro and, and Gene Kelly. And he's going to be an actor. He's and he's going to be, yes. Actor. yes. Uh, what was the first movie you ever saw in the theatre? Wow. Um, I wonder, the one of the first I ever remember was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, yeah. Going way back, Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. That's one of the first, and I I remember seeing the Ten Commandments also at or Herbie and the Love Bug. What year was that? Um, oh, these were the ones like my family would take me. Yeah, I remember the Herbie movies. God. Yeah, not the not the sort of the the Lindsay Lohan Matt Dillon no, one. No, I'm no, talking no. Dean Jones or whatever. Original. <laughs> 
Herbie Goes Bananas. Yeah, right. Well, that was like, you know, part four or something. Oh, but was it was it? just it was Herbie the Love Bug, I think. So some I, I'm I'm thinking Chitty Chitty Bang Bang just hits me for some reason. There's probably one before that, but that's what comes to mind. Because oh. it was magical. They got in this car mm-hmm. and it would take them places and it was, you know. And the wheels turned up. Yes, and it would yeah. land in the water and everything, no problem. I wanted that car. Uh, <laughs> what is a TV or film character you wanted to be when you were growing up? I don't know why this comes to mind. I guess because of because I didn't I didn't fit the package. But when I was in 1976, I kind of wanted to be Rocky Balboa, oh, which yeah. is ironic because I got to be Daniel Larusso, and that's a film directed by the same director and sort of an underdog, you know, coming mm. out on top in the end. So in a way, I guess I, I kind of realized it in in a, in a weird way. I'm realizing that as I'm answering the question, but. I certainly in, in at that time, um, you know, I must have seen that movie six times in a row and and just, you know, would run up the steps of any place I could just to run up the steps and and um, um, listen to the soundtrack by Bill Conti, who did the soundtrack for, for the Karate Kid films. Pretty amazing. I'm like realizing this now, but that was you know, an early influences of a heroic character who we all felt for and. And interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and Rocky, when you think of that film, I mean, Rocky's a love story. You know, mm. talking, it's a boxing movie, but it's Maybe. really a love story. Mm. Yeah. Uh, do you believe in the power of manifestation? Because I feel like as a kid, while you were, you know, dreaming big about being Rocky, you kind of made it happen in some magical way. Like everything... Everything you just mentioned is actually kind of weird. Yeah, I, um, you know, it's 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 from this. Is, this is pretty and pretty enlightening interview because I probably <laughs> sometimes I get more doom and gloom on things. Like instead of you know, I, I look at these blessings and the, and the way things have whether you call them blessings or manifestation, whether you create yeah. your own luck. I do believe you create your own luck. I also believe at times there's a flip side to that coin with me where I. I go, I don't want to say fully Debbie Downer, but I've said, oh, this is never going to happen. That's not going to, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to get, you know, George Clooney, he gets that. I don't get that. You know, instead of, instead yeah. of, um, you know, anything's possible and creating that. And, and so I could do better with that. And I should, I should certainly be doing better with that because I could probably name more of a handful, more than a handful of examples. I mean, I, De Niro was my, a hero in those those film performances, um, you know, uh, the king of comedy, and and uh, there's so many of them. And there, in 1986, I was on the Broadway stage with him for you know for months. So you would imagine I'd be I should cam- I should campaign for manifestation. You know, I feel like you are the poster child for manifestation at this because of everything you just said. But I also feel like when you're a child, your your dreams are pure and really. You know, you really believe mm-hmm. that, that you get cynical as you get older, and yeah. then you start to, the doubt. Actually, you know, curtails your your luck or your experience or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. I love that. That basically you made these wild things <laughs> real. It's kind of nuts. Um, what about your desert island films or TV shows? Um. Desert Island, 
Uh, I would say, hmm, bounce around so many, but I would take Curb Your Enthusiasm with me. Because <laughs> I just, there's, that's that side of, that curmudgeon side of me that I, and I have sometimes. Like, you know, I just, I just, I, uh, I just love that humor. I love um, that my boat is full. I don't need all you people. <laughs> I just, I don't need the exception. To, you know, you don't have to complete me. I complete myself. We're fine. You know, yeah. so there is that. There is that. So I really enjoy uh, that. And, and, and to, to that point, Seinfeld, because they come from the mm, same, um, yeah. same brain or part, part collaboratively. Um, SNL would be worth taking, too, because then you get a little of everybody. <laughs> and maybe yeah. that doesn't count. Maybe that doesn't count. Um, movies, so hard. Um, um, cause there's so many, Yeah, I mean, I talk about those films of the seventies and that, that really to me was in American cinema, some of the greatest films of American cinema came out of that time. Those filmmakers would be, uh, um, you know, Coppola, Scorsese, Spielberg, just to name the, the, the big guns, but they're, I guess I'm not answering your question. If I could take one movie. One. Only one movie. No, you can have more than one. If I would only take one movie in a weird way that's just popped into my head and it's, this is wrong, but I'm saying it anyway, I would take E.T. because it's just, it gives you hope and you're on a deserted island and maybe something's going to land and take you someplace else. I don't, you know. Is it? I totally, I totally relate to that. And that popped into my head while you were talking. I was like, E.T. When you said Spielberg, I was like, oh, yeah, E.T. Because mm-hmm. that's the first movie I ever saw in the cinema, as far as I remember. But also, like, my Desert Island movie is Jaws, which is probably not ideal for when you're surrounded by ocean. Right, right. But the, the, you'll, know, you'll know where you're going to want to stay, and that's on that <laughs> deserted island. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, what is the weirdest job you've ever had? Um, I would say, I would say working at a laundromat, giving change out to people who needed quarters, you know, as dollar four quarters. Um, cause that my dad had a, uh, my parents had a couple of laundromats early on and that was my first, you know, eight years old to 10 years old, you know, back there. And I have to stand behind the thing and give out change. And it's the, it's the one, because from there. You know, I started working here and there, um, in uh, in you know commercials and then and then movies. So I didn't have to. Uh, I jumped pretty quick. Yeah, so that's, that's the not one that comes a lot of to time for you to do other jobs, really. <laughs> um, who is your dream dinner companion, living or dead? Well, the right answer is my wife Phyllis of thirty six years, right? Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, nobody can send very few people could say that. Yeah. Um, anniversary coming up next week, actually. Oh, um, so, so when you survive, when you go, you know, through the ups and downs of it all and and come up landing on your feet as we have, so that would be remiss not to to say that. I would oh, I would love to sit. I would love to uh, Patty Chayefsky, here's a total switch. One of the great screenwriters, uh, Network, the hospital, it came out of television, but the script for Network is still one of the smartest pieces of writing I've, I, I personally, um, and certainly cinema, that, I, that I, uh, I marvel at how smart it is, how relevant it still is. And so I would love to, to be able to 
kind of pick his brain or just being a make myself smarter by uh, conversing with someone like that. That's a great answer. Um, that makes me want to rewatch Network. Oh um, yeah, that one. Listen, you could just change out some of the corporate names that were being mentioned then and just add in some of the, you know, Amazons and Googles and it all still yeah. makes sense. Still holds up. That's good. Yeah. Uh, what is the toughest scene you've ever had to play? There was a scene in The Outsiders. This is one that's coming to mind. Um, where um, And it's uh, arguably now one of the purest uh, performance moments that I've ever had. And it's due in large part to Francis uh, Coppola trying to get uh, a young actor to stop acting. Um, and it was just toward the end of the film and, and the character to see Thomas Howe plays Pony Boy mm-hmm. uh, is reading a letter from Johnny Cade, which is the character I played who's no longer there because he tragic i just screwed it up for everybody well um, I mean, if, if <laughs> most people, most folks have seen it <laughs> if people haven't seen it then that's on them that's so. right they, they shouldn't be allowed to listen to it well you're you're doing the voiceover reading the yeah letter. but it's a, but it's a framed on my face you know so yeah. he's he's uh holding the book and you see me superimposed and you see I matt remember. dylan also and mm-hmm. um i remember you know when we were doing the scene i was um you know speaking to him to Pony Boy, you know, in, in his mind's eye or whatever ear. And um, I guess I was performing it and Francis kept telling me to start over and he'd cut me off halfway and we'd start again. And I was so frustrated um, that I felt so lost and not connected to because of what I what I did. And I often am guilty of this um, in performance and I continue to um, work at this is over preparation. I love prep because you don't know what curveballs are going to be thrown on the day. So the more prepared you are, the more you can navigate through that. And so I still believe in that. But there are times to the flip side where you then um, bottle up the performance or the choices um, and don't allow um, just the natural reactions or or um, or other avenues uh, to open up. And, and what Francis was basically doing is trying to strip me down and in essence, we were able to do that. And when we said, I got it, and I was just like, boy, that was like nothing to myself. And I was a little frustrated. And when I see it in the film every time, um, it's uh, probably the purest piece of acting I have in the whole movie uh, mm-hmm. because I was just being and not attempting to do something. You weren't acting, acting. Right. Right. Yeah. And as a, you know, the young actors, we, you know, you come, plus you're working for one of the masters of storytellers. Oh. So you have to, and, but there were other scenes in that, that film and, and even the Karate Kid, when I think of it, uh, other moments that, that required that extra uh, element because it's a heightened reality. You're in something. I don't normally get beat up by five guys in skeleton costumes. So you have to kind of put yourself there, but then there are other times where it's behavior. And, um, and I'm sure there are other, um, examples of the toughest or the most difficult, mm-hmm. but that one just came to mind. I thought that was, that's also a good story for any, anyone to it hear, is. I think. I absolutely think that's a great story. I think, you know, I, I have zero to do with acting, but the actors that I interview quite 
quite often I've heard, you know, when you can see someone acting or you can see them trying to show an emotion, that's when it goes all wrong. Because right. in reality, human beings are trying not to show emotion. Mm-hmm. Not to, and right. uh, really interesting that how Coppola did that with you. Um, and you felt like you hadn't done anything and then it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is the most fun you've ever had on a set? Um, there's a, there's a few, there's a movie called Crossroads that I did, uh, where I played a blues guitarist. You sold, sold your soul at the crossroads. I sold my soul at the crossroads for fame, fortune. And and, and so as a kid, we all, uh, or I like to believe we all had those moments where we'd be listening to Hendrix or Van Halen in our bedrooms at the door closed and we'd be standing on our beds, just jamming air guitar and just the crowds cheering or your Bruce Springsteen for that moment. And in that movie, there was the big, I mean, in in the Karate Kid, I had the big fight at the end and that was kind of awesome to have everyone cheering you. But there was, uh, to that same point, being able to be a guitar virtuoso and just run the table in front of the crowd, um, that was just, that was so much fun. And yeah. then what would, be, what would be so interesting, here's the button on the story, they would call lunch and I could barely get Mary had a little lamb out of the thing, you know, <laughs> I mean, it just, it's the magic of, of playback. So, so tell me, like, how much playing you actually did? For that I did a lot of playing, but mm-hmm. it wasn't what I was playing is what you heard in the movie because it <laughs> needed to be cleaned up. You know, if you know anything about guitar, you could get yeah. some notes, but sometimes they're sloppy or pingy or the, it's it's not right in the right in the sweet spot. So uh, they took care of that. And but you can um, play. You can play. Right? I did. I worked. I worked mm-hmm. hard. I worked. I worked hard to look like um, I'm playing guitar because I would have, you know, kind of would have sunk if uh, if I didn't look yeah. like I, I was comfortable well, no. with the instrument. Yeah. Love that movie. I need to go rewatch that now. Um, <clears throat> what about the advice you would give to your younger self? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, you know, that's, it's, it's really to try to, you know, I'm going to stop and smell the roses is the the wrong way to, it's not, it's more about like when things like I, when I was on Broadway with, when I was off Broadway and on Broadway with De Niro, everyone came to see that show because it was De Niro on Broadway. And um, there were more than a handful of times I look back now that I got to meet and talk to anywhere from Ilya Kazan to... Bertolucci to uh, Scorsese and they would all come and I would there would be certain days it would be just so blasé to me and I just I want those 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 back to sort of just you know um that's youth is wasted on the young I write this wrote this in the book as well you know there's one time when Oscar Wilde youth is wasted on the young yeah yeah Oscar Wilde also says I'm not young enough to know everything right exactly So I guess advice to your younger self is is really um, um, really try to do your best to take take things in stride and don't. I mean, I thought I was going to retire at thirty and I'd have you know it would be so easy and you know that's that's the youth is wasted on the young and and I but but I certainly was not um, 
I certainly was was not hasty with with the the um, the you know the, the privileges I had and how lucky I I was and how I worked hard and I cared and but it's just um you know I I could have probably uh, um, gained more by being more embracing of those moments and not letting what's the Ferris Bueller thing life goes by pretty fast you know yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the most eloquent answer, but that's that's what came to mind. No, I I like that. Um, Well, we've got time for for a couple more. Uh, Who would play you in the biopic of your life? Oh my gosh! (laughs) I wish I got these ahead of time. I Uh, I probably did. I probably didn't look at them. No, no, no. I uh, I like the spontaneity. It's good. Yes. No, it's great. It's great. Um, Who would I want to? I, that is so difficult. There's, you know, so it's of the, of the, you know, you wonder if it's of the young actors now or any actor at any time. Any like, actor could, at any time. Any actor at any time. I guess I would have, because I've always wanted to play him at some point. And there are interesting parallels as amazingly different as we are. Boy, I set you up good, right? Aren't you? Like, yeah, waiting? I'm ready. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. Salminio. Sal Mineo, who was in Rebel Without a Cause and Giant mm-hmm. and East of Eden and the Gene Krupa story. Uh, when The Outsiders came out, I was, uh, many of the reviews would say a young Sal Mineo, a young mm-hmm. Sal Mineo. And then I studied his life and his quite tragic life. Um, um, and um, I became sort of, uh, you know, infatuated with, wow, that would be such a cool story to tell. And, um, what, and what? so... Him. I don't know what happened to him. He was uh, he was murdered at 37 years old off Holloway no, Drive. Yes, yeah, stabbed. Um, and it was there's actually been many uh, articles and books. Who killed Salminio? Was it um, you know he was openly homosexual at a time where it was you know less accepted, and um, so there was always that. Was it that angle, or was it just a random? I think a guy was arrested, but it was people thought that it wasn't a truthful if he that he wasn't guilty um but it was more about his his life and the fact that he uh um hit it so big was nominated for an oscar at least once i believe certainly for rebel and i think i think for i think in giant too i'm not sure um but i was sure when i was totally obsessed with this 20 something years ago but it just you know he had a short window of time where he was kind of the it kid and I could one could argue that there was a short period of time where I was that too and then it kind of went away for more than a short period of time and now with this resurgence and everything else it's everything old isn't very new again so I don't know it might not be the perfect answer but it's an interesting one at least it is interesting and uh, I mean your situation is fascinating because you know, I I can't think of another actor that's had quite the same up and not up down, but up and no. Then, but there's dry. There was some lean years, yeah. It's like it's a lot yeah. to process. And it, but interestingly, with with those films at that time, the ones you know, my cousin Vinny and the Outsiders, a Karate mm. Kid, it never goes away because those films never went away. You know, so it yeah. wasn't like I was in some movie of an era and it just dissipated. Those oh, movies did. ran That's, all yeah. the time. Yeah, so it's not like people didn't ever know you, but I, in terms of, of sort of 
um, you know, being this, the, like you say, like superstar household name on in everything that's happened to you twice. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a crazy life, really. Yeah, it, it is. It is <laughs> because um, um, it's just having the young generation so uh, interested and, and going back and seeing all these movies uh, and it's kind of, you know, wonderful that you could spread a bit of joy across generations in a world that is not very joyful very often. So that's how I look at it at this point. And, and 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, I wouldn't have answered it that way. I was like, how come he has that and I don't have this? You know, I, I don't really, I mean, you just look at that, you know, yeah. you, you know, I would never, you know, I'd never go down the deep, dark hole of that. But, you know, there was the frustrations of, of whether I was creating, trying to create behind the camera or doing some writing and some little bit of directing, some short films and things as a, a theater looking for to grasp that brass ring again. Um, it's less about grasping the brass ring and having all the fame. It's more about, I love to tell stories and, and, and draw emotions and uh, take a character and, and touch people's lives in a way that's, a, I mean, what a, what a beautiful thing to be able to do. And yeah. so um, being able to do that now f- for multi-generations in a, in a good way is um, kind of a nice legacy to have so far. And I'm going to keep it going as long as you all let me. Oh, I think there's, there's a, a lot of people who would be very disappointed to see you not continue doing yeah. what you're doing. Oh, thank um, you. Really quick, we have to wrap up, but what's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, you know, Everybody Dance Now. Whatever, that's the one that came down. Dam, bam, 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 bam. Everybody dance now. I don't know why. It's like, that's probably, I'll think of five more in the next 10 minutes. But I knew I knew I had to come back with something quick. I really and who doesn't? Who doesn't crank that up and just drive way too fast? You are right about that. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been such a pleasure. Really it's- great. I really appreciate it. It's great. I I really enjoyed the conversation and that it didn't feel like all the others. So I appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you. And I look forward to seeing you back on the screen as soon as possible. So yeah, I can't wait. Thank you for listening to 20 questions on deadline. For more episodes, subscribe on Spotify or Apple podcasts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.